Well, good to see you all. So glad you're here this Palm Sunday and excited to be in God's Word. Next week, we'll have a specific and special message for Easter, but this week, we're just continuing working through Ephesians one more week. So in Ephesians 3 this morning, and what I typically try to do is in the different sections of Scripture is to identify some kind of a running theme in the section that we're in. And this morning, the the theme was fairly obvious with how much it, it talks about it in this section, the idea of a mystery being revealed. I don't know if there's anyone here that enjoys a good mystery novel or any, any readers in the room here that enjoy reading a few. What are some of them that are out there? What's one that you have read recently? Oh, I'm putting her on the spot. Name, name one that you guys can think of. What's a good mystery novel? Glad we got that. Okay, so how about, t- how about for the, the less intelligent, uh, like myself, that watch uh, television instead? Any mystery TV shows? Any mystery TV shows that you guys enjoy? Okay, there we go. One mention, another one. Anyone? Sherlock Holmes. Okay, shoo. You guys, this audience participation thing clearly not working well this morning. My uh, one that my, my wife and I watch, I don't know if it's just intended to be a mystery, but you think about most shows, Designated Survivor. Anybody watch this one? Trying to figure out who's trying to take out the government, you know, constantly figuring out. Anybody watch the show or the series Lost? You remember that one? Like 9,000 seasons and you're like at the end, and you're like, I don't even care what the mystery is anymore. But here this morning, we're in a section of scripture where the mystery, for those of you that like long drawn out mysteries being exposed, that's not what this is. And in fact, in one episode or one section of scripture, you're introduced to the idea that there is a mystery. And in that same episode, you're introduced to what is the revelation or response or answer to that mystery. And so we're going to be looking at that this morning, excited to be in God's Word together. Thought we'd start by just explaining a little bit of what type of mystery it is. Because when you explore mysteries, you realize there's all different types that are out there. Some involve exploring and looking for clues. Anybody grow up reading The Hardy Boys? There's a book we might actually remember. Anybody uh, grow up? Any, anybody willing to admit that they also read some Nancy Drew? Okay, I appreciate some guys that are secure enough in their masculinity uh, to admit that. I had two older sisters. That's all we had on the bookshelf. So definitely into Nancy Drew. But what they were committed to was always looking for clues to be revealed and figuring out. Like Once they pieced together all these clues, then they could figure out and solve the mystery. Well, that's not what this mystery is here this morning. This is the type of mystery that's dealing more with the idea of something that wasn't previously known, and after one sentence, then it's known after one sentence. How many of you in here think you know what my middle name is? Is there anybody? Anybody know what my middle name is? That, this is pretty impressive. You're going you're gonna, to learn. It's a mystery. My middle name is, matches my dad. My middle name is Alan. So Scott Allen Kegel. So you really would only ever hear that if I was getting yelled at um, by my parents growing up or my wife. And so, um, so this mystery revealed the idea that it's something that in one moment can go from being completely clueless about it to all of a sudden with somebody speaking up, it's immediately known. And that's the mystery we're dealing with this morning. Let me pray before we explore this mystery. God, thank you so much for this chance to be in your house and even having a little fun. So awesome to see 
even our kids celebrating Jesus Christ with palm branches. Just cool to be in your house, uh, the freedom to worship here, an environment where we can celebrate you and put the spotlight on you, even evidence in our time spent in your word right now. We ask that you'd guide and direct this conversation, uh, that you'd be just speaking to us. God, you just meet us exactly where we're at this morning. I'm not naive enough to think that people aren't coming from a lot of different places. And so I just ask that you'd you'd speak into our hearts, that you'd reveal truth that we needed to hear this morning, that we'd be searching for something specific for ourselves this morning in your word. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so chapter 3, we're working through the first 13 verses this morning. If you wouldn't mind turning your Bibles or your iPhones to that, would be great. If you don't own a Bible, you're welcome to take the one from the chair in front of you home with you. Verse 1 of chapter 3 in Ephesians says this, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insights into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So we're going to see first here that this mystery was first revealed to Paul. It was new information I found it interesting, it starts with, for this reason. It's referring first to the unifying thoughts we pointed to last week. Anybody remember the theme of last week? And you can say it in your best Grover voice, near, far. That's right. Those of you that are new have no idea. You have to watch that online. But uh, we went from being far to being near. That was what he was referring to last week. And this week, he's pointing to the first thing that caught my attention was how Paul in this new economy, describes himself. What does it say in your text there? A prisoner of Christ Jesus. Some texts, few, say for, but majority will say a prisoner of Christ Jesus. This idea which was so confusing because if anybody looked from the outside, they would say, prisoner of Christ, prisoner for Christ. How does that work? He's literally a prisoner because of false Jewish uh, claims against him. He's a prisoner, maybe you would say, under the Roman government because there's a, a Roman guard watching him. But you see, Paul understood something that I think changes everything. His perspective was that he's only there because Christ chose to have him there. He understood everything that happened to him because God ordained it. We learned this same idea in our study of Job's in the the previous months from now, is that you are exactly where you are because God chose to place you in this moment in time where you're at for a specific reason. If you're in Christ, He has you there for a purpose, very specific. Paul understood that he wasn't there because he was God was out of control and, oh no, the Roman guards caught him. What do I do? No, he was there for a very specific purpose. And that keeps us from falling into discouragement. Because you can start to think like, oh man, I'm here. God must have forgot about me. He must have abandoned me. And Paul was clear and crystal clear that he was there on a calling from God for a specific purpose. See, he mentioned it in a number of different places. Philippians 1, 12 through 14 was the immediate uh, uh, celebration. He says, I want you to know, brothers, 
that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. He recognized that even in those moments, even though the outsider would say, this is a miserable situation, Paul, you're in prison, this stinks. He's like, oh, but you don't get it. You got to put on the lenses that through Christ, God's doing some awesome things through them. You think about even a couple thousand years later, the majority of the New Testament being written by Paul. Likely, unless he was slowed down enough to sit in a prison cell, he may not have possibly even written these things. But we benefit still today because of that, recognizing first off that he's a prisoner of Christ, also recognizing and pointing out to the fact that, listen, these, this good news, this gospel that I'm spreading did not come of my own I made it up kind of a thing. That, that, that's not how it works. This was something that was specifically revealed to him. He says, the mystery was made known to me by revelation. It wasn't for my gain, in other words. He's saying it wasn't because I benefited or something good came from it. In fact, the fact that he's in prison for it is more validation that it's true. Because who's going to go to prison for something that's not true? So he's making sure that he's clear that this is something that was revealed to him. So it starts out very clear. This was new information, not made known to the sons of men in other generations, brand new, fresh off the press, if you will, revealed to him by the Spirit. Now the question is, how many of you read ahead already to verse 6 to see what the mystery is? Some of you cheated, like those of you that read the end of those suspense novels first. Verse 6, the mystery clearly revealed. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Basically, we see here what the mystery was. Paul's not very good at revealing mysteries. I don't know if any of you have children that try to tell jokes and they're so quick to get to the punchline. You're like, ooh, you, you kind of ruined that, didn't you? And, uh, and, and really, this is the, the same, same picture that Paul's like, man, he, he just dove right into it. He, there's no buildup. He's like, and the mystery is that Gentiles are fellow heirs. This, this was already something he talked about in the last chapter, so he's like not really very good at hiding this. The big reveal didn't exactly happen, but for those that were hearing this for the very first time, this was, this was earth-shattering information. Mystery that everyone is invited into relationship with God through Jesus Christ, regardless of race and background. This was mind-blowing. This, is, this is changes everything kind of information. The fact that the nation of Israel that everyone had looked at from the, the outside and observed the, all the amazing things that God had done for them to find out that this same God that was the God of Israel had provided a way of rescue, and that way of rescue included everyone, this was earth-shattering. This was information. This, this was as if in that day and time you had le- leper camps, and leprosy was a huge issue where they were set apart. This is the same as big as saying, hey, now the, the lepers are going to hang out with all of us. They're like, whoa, this is radical 
news that we're all going to be under the same God, all under the same and considered fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus? Are you kidding me? All on the exact same page? There's no, no hierarchy? Yes. That was the news in that day, and it blew minds. I love how Paul also describes it in 1 Corinthians 12, 12. It says this, For just as the body is one, this idea of a body, one body, all the different parts, and as many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit idea that we went from being all these separate pieces and parts being literally pieced together as one body was unbelievable news. And now Paul is attached to this message because he knew it was pretty controversial. There's still a, a big deal today about that. He described himself as a minister. He was made to be a minister. The Greek word for minister is diakonos which actually means servant. So he's a servant now to this message, and he's thrilled about it. He's thrilled about it. He describes it as a gift of grace. Imagine Paul, who is so determined to destroy the church, is now invited to be a part of building it, taking people that were dead and bringing them back to life. Can you imagine this morning if I had decided instead of in your bulletin, instead of those Easter invite cards, if I had tickets that you are welcome to take to any cemetery and pick one gravesite and bring them back to life? Wouldn't that be kind of a weird thing? Imagine if you're kind of walking up and down the rows and you're reading names, description, this beloved guy, this beloved, this person. You're like, well, which one am I going to bring back? Which one am I going to bring back? I don't, I don't know. You, you know that if you did, it would be radical, wouldn't it? You know, seeing them pull themselves out. Hey, guys, you know, coming out of the grave, maybe I'm going too far with this. But you, 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 get, the, you get the picture. You get the picture is this is the incredible thing that God has chosen to include him in. The opportunity to bring people that are dead Back to life. We discovered in, earlier in this book that dead equals separated from God. Bringing people that were separated from God, headed towards eternal judgment, bringing them back to life and connection and relationship with God. Man, that's why he describes it as the gift of grace. How cool to be included and partner with God in getting that word out. Knowing the mystery comes with responsibility. Look in verse 8. He says, To me, Paul's still talking, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. A lot there. The first thing that catches your attention is this description that Paul has for himself. This is the author of a good percentage of the New Testament, one of the heroes of our faith, if you will. And what does he describe himself? Read it there in the text. The very least of all the saints. Kind of like, man, what, what, what's going on there? Is that like false humility? Do you, you ever run into somebody that kind of comes across like this false humility and you're like, that's nah, not authentic. Let's, let's interpret by voting. Do you guys think it was false humility? 
There we go. I agree with you guys. That's, that's, that's great. I, I don't think it was false humility. I think Paul had a genuine sense of his position before God that he was fallen and completely depraved. And man, what a gift it's been given to him. He understood. That's why he describes himself as the least. It's not something he earned or deserved. He was, I would suggest that humility is one of those sure sign clues that somebody understands grace. Somebody that's humble, somebody that, that really gets it, that understands their own depravity apart from Christ, that should be a marker or a clue that somebody actually grasps and understands grace. I was reading this week this story of a, a gentleman older gentleman that went into a suit store. I guess it was a true story. And he was shopping for suits and trying different ones on. Well, after being in there for quite a while, he ended up leaving. And the person that was working there said, said uh, Sir, was there something I can help you with? As he's leaving through the door, she noticed that he had the full outline of a hanger across his back with literally the hook sticking up in the back. Guy's like, no, I'm good. Thanks for your help. Continues walking out. Well, they obviously had to involve the police because this man was walking out with a high-end suit without paying for it. And I was thinking about that. I love the description of that the police says. The, the police's response said, only a sign saying, stop me, I'm a thief, would have been more unprofessional and obvious. He was the world's worst shoplifter. <laughs> thinking about that as it relates to us, that really humility should be that hanger that's sticking out on each one of us. That somebody sees somebody that's embraced Christ, it shouldn't be a, a badge of pride. It should be a, a, a response of humility. I can't believe he did this for me. I know what I've done. If anybody knows what I've done more than, nobody knows what I've done more than I know myself. I, I, I'm fully aware of that. Humility should be the mark of every single follower of Jesus Christ. So he were, he's walking around clearly, and that then he describes that, that there's a responsibility for that. He says, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles. This grace wasn't given, none of us that have ever received grace was given for you to just bask in it. It's like having the antidote for a severe disease and, and taking that antidote and just hanging on to it, like I'm just going to just walk around with it. No, it's intended, once you've received it, to extend it to others. Now, this isn't new information, but I wonder, are we actually living as if that is the expectation? We're invited to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery, to bring to light the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. So I ask us, and this is a little bit of a nudge, a push before Easter, if you will, who's intentionally on our list? Who are we thinking through in our circle of influence? Who are we thinking through? Man, they desperately need this antidote. Man, what can I do? How can I intentionally reach out to them? What are some steps I can take towards rescuing that person from death to life? He's said that we're included. It's part of the responsibility. This next Sunday with Easter Sunday, my commitment to you is I'm going to as passionately as I possibly can present the gospel message. The fact that we were far from God, 
We were, dis- we were dead in our sins, but he intervened on our behalf, came, lived the perfect life, died on a cruel Roman cross, rose again on the third day, providing the invitation for every single person to embrace that free gift. I'm going to clearly explain that for your friends and family members, people you care about. Take advantage of that as an opportunity to proclaim the riches, unsearchable riches of Christ to people you care about. Here's my last guilt trip. We'll go on with verse 10 here. Sharing the mystery is worth the risk so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. A lot going on there. Let me give a little bit of explanation. The first observation is, so we've been talking about a lot about these Jews and Gentiles come together. Finally, he's defining the, the name that you give that group. Notice that it says, through the church. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be not made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So it's the, the first introduction of the idea of this, this combined effort, Jews, Gentiles united, that is the church. That's what we gather still today about. This is the church to reveal or display God's manifest wisdom. Manifest wisdom, the idea is this, is that the, it, it took manifest wisdom to solve the mess that we were in, to now the church is to proclaim that, not just, which is what you'll notice here, not just to mankind, but to proclaim it to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. You're like, what's, what's going on here? That's kind of a, a weird section to read, but we think it's a pretty big deal that we get to, as the church, reveal it to our community and people we love and care about. This Last week, I was excited. The church ABF, Agora Bible Fellowship, made it into the acorn. Did you guys know that? This is a big deal. This is a big deal. So it got to land on everyone's driveway and get thrown straight into their trash cans. This is awesome. This is awesome news. And so anybody guilty of that? Okay, a few of us. Um, but, but here we were in the, the egg core proclaiming that we were, we've survived 50 years. That's, that's a, a pretty big deal. I guess that's starting somewhere. It's, a, it's a, a noteworthy thing. You guys can try to pull that out of your trash and find it later today. But here's the idea that it's a lot bigger than that. It's a lot bigger than that. When he says that we are proclaiming, when we proclaim Jesus Christ and what he's done through this mystery, we're literally proclaiming it to the universe. It's bigger than we ever imagined. It's bigger than we ever imagined. And we get excited about being in the egg corn. He's saying, listen, you get to proclaim, you get to impress the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. We don't even know what that means, but that's pretty cool, right? We don't know. Is, is that just talking directly about angels? Maybe. I don't know. The angels are like, yeah, man, I saw you before Christ. Man, that is a miracle. You know, like uh, they're watching. But the cool thing, if you're freaked out by the idea of big brother watching, you know, like you guys watch these different things, like they're watching you through your computer screen. And uh, if you're freaked out by that, be freaked out by this. All of the universe is watching what we do with this mystery. We're being observed. 
we have the opportunity to put the spotlight on Jesus Christ and proclaim his glory and magnificent plan to the universe. That's pretty cool. I'd say that might be even worth going through some few couple obstacles and doing it. Some, some, somebody that thinks you're weird because you talk about Jesus. Maybe, maybe that's even worth it if you get to be a, a, a broadcast news to the universe. That, I'd say that's, that's probably worth it. So here, I, I like how, how John MacArthur describes it. He says, in the classroom of God's universe, he is the teacher, God. The angels are the student. The church is the illustration. And the subject is the manifold wisdom of God. It's a display. We are a display. We're the illustration that, wow, God can do some amazing things. This group of people that had rejected him, going their own way, wanted nothing to do with him, he found a way to restore them to himself and restore them to each other. That is awesome. That's the display that we get to be. Other benefit we see snuck in there, and Paul looks to point to different things as he says, he describes having access to the king. We also have access to the king. Do you see it there in the text? It says, this was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. One of the things that we celebrate in a pretty amazing reality is that we, through our faith, through faith in Jesus Christ, have access to Almighty God. That's one of the benefits of no longer being dead, of being brought back to life. You have access to the creator of the universe. Pretty cool. I don't know if you guys have ever had access with somebody that you really respect or hold high. I've, I've talked to different people. They share about different celebrity sightings. I had a good friend that t- told me they were in an airport and they got to spend some time with John MacArthur, the guy that gave that last note. And I was like, that's cool. I had one guy that I really respected when I worked at Willow Creek Community Church in Chicago. Many of you have maybe even heard of that church. The pastor's name is Bill Hybels. Have you guys heard of of Bill Hybels. Well, I got this invite when I was working there. He was taking different times to spend time with uh, the parts of the staff, and there's a group of five of us that got to go sailing for the day with Bill Hybels. It was, it was awesome. Got to hang out with him, hear stories. I mean, he's telling stories that he probably wouldn't share from the pulpit, you know, like uh, like funny. He's telling me about a dog that they had. He told me about a dog that they had uh, that that he his wife loved, and he said, but I hated this mutt. He's like, I couldn't stand it. He told me about a, this dog and having a, a fight with a, a raccoon, and he was torn because he's like, I don't like the dog. I don't really want to rescue it. And he's talking about this tug of war that he had. Anyway, side point. <coughs> point being, it's pretty cool having access to Bill Hybels for a day sailing. Like that was that was awesome. One of the more memorable people I've gotten to spend spend time with. And after that, though, I realized going back on staff with the other 550 employees at the church there, the uh, the in the 22,000 people that attended, I was like, yeah, that access was for about a day. Yeah, you know, that, that 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 was it. That was it was great. But imagine this that he's describing for us. As children of Almighty God, you have complete and full access to Almighty God. Do we take advantage of that? Do we, do, do, does that even cross our radar through our day? Does that, does that register to us that that relationship we have allows for communication for Him to bring our, our burdens, our cares before Him? It's an awesome reality. 
So last week, it, it really stirred me. We were um, watching the news, and I know a lot of you were glued to the news this week as well, seeing some of the atrocities in Syria and some of the, the, the images of kids and things that are happening through the, the, the bombing there and just uh, just all of that whole mess. And we were some, some of this stuff, I don't know if you deal with this too, is your, your kids are seeing some of these things for the first time. Like some of just the, the depravity of man, and they're trying to process that. And I, I love looking over at my 10-year-old daughter. Actually, my wife, Adrian noticed this little Alexa was there. And she's just there in the middle of the, the news, got her hands folded, head bowed. We're like, and Adrian looked over and said, hey, Alexa, what, what are you doing? I'm, I'm just talking to God about it. I'm, I'm bringing it before Him. She, she in her, her little soft heart, un- understood that having access to the only one that can fix this mess we're in. It's not more tomahawk missiles. That's, that's not gonna, that doesn't solve it. The, the mess that we're in globally, the, 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 the divides that are there, the only one that can solve that is Jesus Christ, and you have access to him. I have access to him. Dude, wh- wh- why don't we spend more time pleading on behalf of people rather than getting fired up and angry and us versus them garbage? Man, we have access. So because of that, how will we, re- we respond to our circumstances? When, when you're dealing with, well, I don't know about sharing this mystery with somebody here. Are you kidding me? Like, we should be the most bold confident people on the planet because we know who our father is and we know who we have access to. That's why he says at the end there, we have a boldness. There shouldn't be any kind of discouragement or losing heart. Are you kidding me? Because of this, we should go into our days, into our weeks with this mystery that's been revealed to us. And remember, it only took a sentence to reveal it to you, just like my middle name. It just only took a sentence to reveal. You hold that same message. You're keepers of this mystery. May we be more like Paul that we're really lousy secret keepers. We're really lousy at this. We're not very good at it. You know, if anybody spends any amount of time with me, they're going to hear about it. They're, they're going to get a glimpse into, into this mystery. It's, it's not going to be a mystery for very long if somebody hangs out with somebody from ABF. What about that idea? Let me pray. God, thank you so much for this text and what an awesome picture it is of what we hold in our hand with the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A mystery that can take a human being that's separated from God and restore that relationship. A mystery that can keep men separated from each other And have them restored. A mystery that can redirect and change eternities. That can take a dead person and bring them back to life. I pray that we take that seriously. As keepers of this mystery. That it would just be overflowing outside of us. Somebody couldn't be around us very long without hearing about it. I pray that you give us a boldness, a confidence. Even going into this week before Easter. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. So the mystery has been revealed. We do have a good, good father, and he is perfect in all of his ways. What are we going to do with that mystery? Let's share it with people even going into the week ahead. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.